Hi guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and you're listening to Specify, the Building Materials Innovation Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to help the entrepreneurs and the innovators who are making a positive difference in the building materials, coatings, and construction industry. Each episode, we'll tap leaders and experts from inside and outside the industry to provide the mental tools, skills, and insights to make an impact. Today's guest is Jeff Hazlett, who is the chairman and CEO of the C-Suite Network. Jeff is also the former CMO and vice president of Kodak and is the author of numerous best-selling books, including The Hero Factors, How Great Leaders Transform Organizations and Create Winning Cultures. Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. (laughs) We met during the Kodak days, but I know you've been involved in lots of different businesses. Can you can you give me a rundown of all the things you've been involved in? Well, if I give you a complete rundown, it'd take, <laughs> it'd take days. But you know, the high level is I, I serve on about 12 boards total, the either companies that I own or partially involved in, or I'm on a publicly traded company. I'm on three publicly traded company boards. And then the companies that I've been involved in, I bought and sold over 250 companies in my career, about 25 billion in transaction, of course, wow. was a former a chief marketing officer, former officer of Fortune 100 company, which is you know amazing to have had that experience. I mean, there you know when you think about Fortune 100 companies, if you had five officers, that's only 500 people in the world. But you take a Fortune 1000, that's 5,000. That's there are more people playing professional football than there are officers in Fortune 1000 companies. So it's it's a it's been quite a quite a run, and on top of it, I've had my own primetime television show on on Bloomberg. I've I host my own television shows today on C Suite TV. I have my own podcast. I have four best selling books. So yeah, I've done quite a bit, and still doing a lot more. I just <laughs> just a week ago purchased a fairly good stake in a in a major franchise. So yeah, doing a lot of different things. So having a blast. <laughs> Not done. Got a lot to do. Have a lot more to do. You know, I go. You know, I go to bed every night. Yeah, hoping I'll hurry up and sleep so I can get going the next morning. <laughs> that's how I kind of do it every day. So that's it's great. That's awesome. Well, you have a lot of things on the go. How do you keep it all organized? Well, I have good people and good systems. I'm a, I'm a believer in of writing things down I need to get done and checking them off the list. My family makes fun of me with that. My son does a great impression of me all through the years of oh, okay, get a piece of paper. You know. <laughs> and and he, he just does my voice and uh, and a pen. You got to write this down, and that's yeah, I tell it one. That's one, and then two. I try not to have it more than ten emails at the end of the day in my inbox. Today I've got I'm sitting here and looking. I got like seventy nine, and then I you know I have just really good people. And we work on what we call conditions of satisfaction, where we really focus in on what's the promise that we own owe to each other, so that we're very clear about what needs to get done, and we can stay in our own swim lanes, and so. I have an exceptionally good team. Yeah, although I, I, you know, I will give myself and pat myself on, uh, and I, I can hold a lot of stuff. A lot of people are always surprised by that. I think that's Peter Shankman, who's an author and used to own Harrow, sold that company. Yeah. He talks about a lot of a lot of leaders of companies are ADHD, and I think there's a lot of truth to that because <laughs> we have a short attention spans and we can handle lots of different things. I'm one of those people. I, I work best probably in chaos than if I have a lot of time to think about it. 
That makes sense. Now, well, there's a lot to, to digest there with what you're working on. Now, one of the things that sort of stands out for me as being an outsider is how effectively you develop your personal brand. How do you approach all that? A brand is nothing but a promise delivered. That's the first thing that you understand. So I just try to be me. I was able to, I'm one of the first kind of corporate people that have left their position and kind of developed that persona of themselves. I had a good, strong sense of that when I was growing up and doing my own thing and so forth. Although we kind of grow into it. But when I, I was Forbes, named me the celebrity CMO, I was on, on the celebrity apprentice for a number of years as the judge with Trump. And, and I was, of course, you know, doing my own, sh- I ended up doing my own shows, primetime shows on business, you know, Bloomberg Network and commentator on wherever I want to go. And of course, got my own podcast now still and, you know, doing the four books. So, that became part of it. And then, you know, and then I developed this following of, you know, I had 600,000 Twitter followers, an equal number on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram, not too cool about, I'm still doing it. I just don't take a lot of pictures. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is I find there, I actually find their interface kind of clunky for me, but that's just, it doesn't fit into my logical mind of like do this and then do this. So it just it freaks me out. <laughs> but I'm getting better about it. But I just I be me and I don't try to do anything else. And I don't try to I don't try to go out of my way to appease that or to do it. I just do what I want to do. And if you like it, great. If you don't like it, it gets my rear end. I don't care. I mean, I, I just I'm me and I don't try to be somebody else. I don't try to do a lot of selfies and all that bullshit. I just try to again do my own stuff. And if I do my own stuff, then I'm happy. I started out, I was one of the first people on Twitter many, many years ago, like 2006, seven, whatever, eight, mm-hmm. I can't remember when I got on it. And I just wrote the stuff as I wanted to do it for my family. I told my family, just start following me on Twitter. Yeah. And Twitter's always been kind of been my thing. And I said, follow me on Twitter. Cause one day my wife says, where are you at? And rather than writing her an email and somebody else's an email, <laughs> back then text wasn't a big thing. You know, group text wasn't, wasn't even possible. Yeah. I just said, follow me on Twitter. So they always used to follow me on Twitter. I used to post stuff like, oh, I had this for dinner. Or, I'm going here tonight or that. That was before you started having stalkers. But once I started getting famous, well, then I, I had to stop that because, you know, <laughs> people would show up at my hotel room. <laughs> show up at a restaurant I was at. And I'm like, who are you? You know? <laughs> You know, <laughs> so I try, try not, I don't, I now, I now kind of tweet a day behind. Okay. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird, but I have to almost do that because literally people will show up. I mean, I used to be like in an airport and would say I was in the airport and I used to brand my, my Wi-Fi my own name because mm-hmm. that's easy to find. Right. Yeah. And then people would find it and then go find me. <laughs> like, ooh, that's you know, that's creepy. That's kind of creepy. And I mean, I was remember one time I was in the Denver Stapleton upstairs, and I said, "Oh, I found a quiet space upstairs at the Denver airport." And then someone saw that and came and found me. Or one time I was on the train. I was on a train. Yeah. And I used to have my Wi-Fi on, and somebody read it, and they went up and down the cars until they found me. You know. <laughs> There's some cool things to that, but there's some bad things. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the cool thing I just, that and I hear you talking is it sounds like you manage your own social media account. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I have a team that helps me as well, but yeah. 
You know, that's one of the things. Isn't that funny? Because people will say, if, if this is you, well, who the hell else is it? You know, it's like, or I will write emails at one o'clock in the morning and they go, well, whoever wrote this for Jeff, I go like, dude, I wrote that. That's my stuff. I do have help and I do have some more public kind of things that they do, but mostly that's on the reactivation or, or something like that. I, a lot of the stuff I write, I write stuff that, especially if it's long, notice it's me because I tend to explain things. Or this weekend I was out power washing. So I wrote, I power washed this weekend. Therefore I am a man. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of a write up thing, but I actually had to take my power wash. I had to take my power washer apart, which was, Thank God for YouTube how-to videos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'm getting better about that. Normally, I would have like, oh, that power wash isn't working. Trash it, go buy another one. And I almost did. And then then I'm going, that's a waste of money. There's probably, why don't I Google it? So I got on and I looked it up and there it was. My issue, (laughs) the spray thing was it was spurting and I couldn't. And I had a stuck valve and they showed you how to take it apart. And I took it apart and boom, 30 minutes later, I got a brand, it's like a brand new power washer that's 15 years old. Awesome. Now, um, yeah. you, you're always, you've always done new things and tried new things. And I know that I've heard that you've sort of, like, you're not afraid to try new marketing things. What, what are some of the boldest marketing moves you ever made? When people ask me what's my biggest mistake or what's my best success, I always yeah. say, I don't know. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> but meaning, but I've had a lot of good, good failures. You know what I mean? Bad failures that are good. Yeah. And then I've had a lot of uh, good successes. Right now, I'm, I tell you one of the things I'm using a lot is there's a tool called BombBomb. Okay. And it's a video. It's a video that you can send and it's a real easy application. And I just go in and knock out videos. And I'm not having to send big files. It's just a link, you know, basically I come on, click on it and it starts playing the video. And it's a really cool little tool. And those, and I'm constantly using it like numerous times a day, rather than sending an email, I'm sending a, a bomb bomb, what's called a bomb bomb video to people. And it's getting through to the, you know, getting through to them, which is cool. And it tells me when it, they open it up and what, and whether they've watched it. That's so, that's so, so then cool. I know. Yeah, and that way they're not lying to me. The, <laughs> the other thing down south of you in Seattle is a guy named a company called Uvias. U V U V I A U S. U V S basically. U V S. And they have a video mailer. They're basically an interactive marketing company that produces printing and, and of course video. And they have a video mailer that I use and I love that. That is a pretty cool tool. We use that for our C suite network for Hero Club for our CEOs. When you join the Hero Club, I send you out a personal video that's on this inside of this mailer box, and inside the box is a is a signed copy of my book, The Hero Factor. And so we utilize that, or I use it for selling my speeches. So you know, I mail this video mailer, and you open it up, and immediately it starts playing a video of me. Nice. That's either going to get you to come on board or scare the hell out of you. One of the <laughs> well, at least you get a response. You know, it's amazing. I, I, a year later, I will walk into someone's office that video mail are still sitting on their desk. It's that unique. <laughs> that unique. And so it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, marketing is your background, but you're obviously an entrepreneur with all these businesses. What are some of the characteristics of a great entrepreneur? I mean, your C-suite network is filled with them. Yeah, you know, the 
probably the biggest one is that we're so optimistic. There's not a problem that we don't think we can solve Mm -hmm. or that can't be solved. So that's also part of our downfall too, is is (laughs) so optimistic. We're not realistic, but I'm, I have the, I have the balance between the two because I've been, you know, I have had so much experience. So that's, that's good. I, on the bad side of that, I also have not the bad, I have great communication skills, but bad communication skills because a lot of times I see things very quickly. And so someone will ask something and then I'll say, no, no, that's not going to work when they go, wait, you haven't even tried it yet. I just, I just mentioned it to you. Well, I've already seen it before. I don't have time to explain it to you. So no, it's not going to work. You know, so <laughs> I, the other one is that real great entrepreneurs capture customer behavior. Mm-hmm. I think that's real important for people to listen to what I just said, that you capture customer behavior. You can't change it. Changing customer behavior is hard. Mm-hmm. Capturing customer behavior is is much better and a lot more lucrative. Now, can you explain that in more detail? Are you, are you talking about riding trends, tendencies? Like what, what are we talking about here? Just let's say that you think it should work this way, but you haven't really tested it. So yeah. you need to test it and find out what the dog eats. There's an old saying in marketing where the dog eats the dog food. You can make the best dog food in the world, but the dog won't eat the dog food. Yeah. Well, then hell, it ain't going to work. It's good to you, but not good for the dog. So, you know, it's like saying, hey, I'm going to build a baseball field in the middle of Iowa. Well, no one wants a baseball field in the middle of Iowa. It's just corn. So all you have is a baseball field in the middle of Iowa no one goes to. So you just have to fill the dreams. Well, big deal. They make a movie out of it, but quite frankly, nobody cares. <laughs> so the key is to go find that. The other thing is someone will say, well, we're so unique. Well, if you're so unique, no one's going to buy it either (laughs) because that means it's a small market. I want a product or service that lots of people want. And I want to be the best at serving that. And I want to be one, two, or three most expensive in that marketplace in order uh, to fulfill that at differentiations of levels of service or quality or you know, whatever it is, not on price, but really, truly on capturing that customer behavior. So my focus is going to be there. A lot of entrepreneurs are trying to raise money and they'll say, hey, no, we're, we're so unique. We're, you know, man, if you're, that means bleeding edge. You know, that means you're going to lose your ass. And, and that's not what you want. You want to be like that old UPS commercial that clicked on its website. And all of a sudden there was one ding and it, you know, sold two, then it went to 10, then it went to 100. And before long, it was a million. That's really what you want. That's awesome. You, you touched on number one, two, or three most expensive. I kind of get what you're saying, but not everyone might get what you're saying. What's the point of that? Why, why not middle market or low price? Well, I think that's the differentiation. You can be low price, but it's like being the last dog in a, in a dog sled race. <laughs> right? I mean, you're on the winning team. You're on a winning sled. You're the last dog. The view ahead of you isn't pretty. Yeah, and you're looking up some other dog's butt, and another one, another one, another one. I don't want to be that kind of company. Yeah, I want to be the the company that's out front, where I got a shot at the leader, or I am the leader, and therefore everybody's chasing me. That's cool to be Apple, and everybody's chasing to be Samsung, everybody's chasing you to be Cabela's, everybody's chasing you to. I just think that's that's fantastic, and that I mean a lot more fun, a lot more fun. Yeah, that makes sense. And you're making money. Yeah. And by the way, and you're making a ton of money, right? So you don't have to work as hard, right? And you're making more money. Oh, what's wrong with that? <laughs> makes sense to me. Now, you talked about capturing customer behavior. I think one of the things that 
you know, people get wrong is that marketing is about changing minds or innovation is about changing minds. But you've worked at huge companies with billion dollar marketing budgets, but it's not about that, is it? No, it's no, you don't. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I once was a company where I managed a $17 billion marketing budget. Okay, cool. But the decisions that you make on Main Street in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and those that you make on Wall Street in a big company are no different. Just zeros. Yeah. Just zeros. And if you take away the zeros, the same level of intensity and decision, whether you're spending $2,000 or spending $200 million. it's just intensity. Putt you make for a putt you make for on a golf course for a foot a foot is still a foot putt. Now, if it's a dollar bet, that's one thing. If it's a ten thousand dollar bet, that's another. Okay, but but the same precision goes into making that putt, whether it's a thousand dollars or a hundred or one dollar, or whether it's ten thousand dollars. And so, I think what you have to do is always understand. The principles of marketing. You know, marketing is the capture of the idea, the inception of the idea, all the way through customer satisfaction. When you look across the spectrum of how you market and the way in which you market, just understand there's there's certain rules that apply. And as long as you follow those, you're going to be fairly successful, whether you're a big business or you're a small business. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, one of the things you you mentioned, customer sort of satisfaction, all the all the way through the spectrum. One of the things I got. It took me a while to understand was that the last part of it, which is kind of the fulfillment and the customer experience side of it, needs to be absolutely fantastic operationally, right? In the feedback loop. And I think a lot of people focus on the front end, which is the lead generation and all that, getting them through the door, right? That excitement of getting them. And then when they get their product, they, they get the black and white manual and, and here you go, you're done with kind of thing. But you mentioned that's the whole thing that's important. And that really stood out to me. Well, I think uh, you have to define what the customer experience is. That We, we run the C-suite network. And so yeah. when people, when we talk about things we, that we brought up today, well, we got to do these handout cards. And someone said, well, can I just do it myself or do I really need to go through this other process? And I go, well, what's C-suite worthy? Mm. So I don't care whether you do them yourself or, or it goes through somebody else. Just Remember, what, what is our customer experience? Is it C-suite worthy? Now, if you're thinking of putting together a, a shitty card, well, that's, that sounds like it's not a, a C-suite worthy. <laughs> if you wanna, so you want to be able to define the experience. And I think that's a good portion of what CMOs are now making sure that we pay attention to or marketers is what's the customer experience? And then from the customer experience, what's our level of customer engagement? Yeah. How do we measure it? How do we protect it? How do we how do we nurture it? Because there's not much difference come on between one car and another mm-hmm. or between one shirt and another shirt or one pair of socks and another pair of socks. But what's the customer experience? What's the engagement that you have around that so that becomes that becomes an extension of that person's brand or becomes part of them or or they can't do without it? Wow. That's the cool. That's cool. That's cool to be able to do. That's awesome. Now, I guess you're talking about the being worthy of of something in terms of your C-suite standard. Now, that's probably a function of a great culture when people where people understand what what's expected. How do you define a great culture? What's the characteristics? Well, it's a, it's really based on values. You talk about your family's culture, your company's culture. 
in your family have a certain set of rules that dad handed down, his dad handed them down, or mothers or people don't be writing me letters, okay? <laughs> but the family kind of lives by a certain code, right? Well, the same thing holds for companies. Companies have a certain culture. Now, the culture is made up of all the people. And you're only as good as your lowest common denominators because they make up part of your culture. So if, when I was at Eastman Kodak, I'm Kodak, you're Kodak, this person's Kodak, we're all Kodak. And then collectively we have this code, but it's all this culture, which is all based upon values. And therein, the great companies today, that's what we could define as the hero factor. Where good to great leaves off, the hero factor kicks in. That's companies doing things for the right reasons at all times, even if it's not the right time. And so great cultures are developed by great teams, and great teams are always at the forefront of great values. So I think it's more important today than ever to really state what your values are and to have everybody, I call it drinking the Kool-Aid. You can call it drinking the champagne, getting on the wagon, I don't care, getting on the bus, whatever. But I want people to understand what our values are as a company, and then I want you to drink it like a 55-gallon drum and drink the Kool-Aid every day. (laughs) Well, you mentioned values. What about what values do you sort of guide your companies or around? Like, what, what do you communicate there? Well, for me, it's always about service. I think I have a very big service mentality. By me helping you do what you want, you get what you want. Guess what? I'll get what I want. And so, so service is at the fortitude of that. Obviously, truth and the way we treat others, respect. So we, have, we actually take our values and we also put operating principles mm-hmm. around them. So certain ways in which we're going to interact with each other. So like email is a great example. Mm-hmm. Just because you sent me an email, doesn't mean I accepted what you said in the email. So we have to have kind of a development, a culture around that or operating principle about what that means. Or just because you sent me an email five minutes ago doesn't mean I've read it and I need to respond back to you. Just because your sense of urgency isn't mine, we need to have a set of operating principles around that. You know, And that's just a good example of how we would do things. Or once it gets to five back and forth, don't you think we should take it offline? <laughs> and so what's our, because now we're not communicating and now it's getting lost. So what can we do to enhance that experience? And, and so for me, it's about the values are always focused on serving others and, and being served and respect for each other. And then, and then there's, there's some timeliness and those kinds of things about what makes it a little faster, a little slower. And so those are, but you got to have good conversations about that. And I also think you have to be in your values. You have to be very decorative. You have to, you have to state them. Yeah. I call it picking a side. Mm-hmm. I think now more than ever, businesses need to take sides. Even if, if I totally disagree with you, I would respect you more if you take a side, mm-hmm. whether it's a political issue or a ethics issue or whatever it might be. Well, at least I know where you stand. Even if I don't, again, let's be clear. I don't like your policy on X, Y, Z. At least I respect it because you took a side. Yeah. So which which companies out there are, are doing a great job picking sides and holding that line? Yeah. And let me, I think there's a number of them. I, I wrote about in The Hero Factor, my newest book. Uh, by the way, you can get a free assessment on theherofactorbook.com. Just go there and you can get you can take an assessment to find out if you're hero company worthy. Are you hero worthy? Or are you a do-gooder? Or are you an operational excellence company? Or are you an asshat? Or are you, <laughs> are you a wannabe? So all those are in there. 
right on page 12, but we give you an assessment, which is free. But there's some great companies. I talk about Starbucks. Starbucks, who I really believe they've lived their values every single day. I mean, they, they took a mandatory day, shut down every location, you know, right there in Vancouver where you live. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they, have a van, they have a Starbucks on every flipping corner. <laughs> Literally. There's one street there that has four Starbucks on every, there's one on every corner. There. That's right. But yeah, so they had a problem in Philadelphia. Two young black men walk into their operation, sat down, and the manager told them they had to leave because they hadn't bought anything. Said, well, wait a second. We're about to have a meeting and we're waiting for somebody. Well, if you don't buy anything, you got to leave. That's what the guy said. And of course, that's not their policy. Their policy is they're a community center, basically. They're a gathering place for people. It has nothing to do with coffee. In fact, most of us know we can go to Starbucks, sit there all day and not buy one dang thing, and, and it's no problem. But this day, this time, this manager said it was inappropriate. They had to leave. And he finally called the police on them. And they, they kicked him out. I think they even arrested him. I can't remember the story at this point. Mm-hmm. But here, the, the CEO of the company said, no, that's not us. That's not who we are. In fact, we're going to have some sensitivity training. We're going to shut the whole place down and we're going to get back and make sure everybody understands our values. Boom. I thought that was great. Let's take Chick-fil-A. I don't know if you're familiar with Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A has a, oh, bye. And even Starbucks. I got to tell you one more thing about Starbucks. I like yeah. They adhere to the, to the laws of local communities. In some states, they have a, what's called a right to carry. Well, you can actually go into, a, you can walk down the street with a gun on your hip or carry a gun which is crazy. But nonetheless, you can do that. And some people, the, the pro-gun lobby, will take a day, and they'll have, they, I can't remember what the day is, and they'll actually walk and march with weapons. And they'll go into a Starbucks. And the reason they go into Starbucks, because they know Starbucks isn't really in favor of that, but Starbucks adheres to it, so they allow it, because that's what the law says. And I, I applaud that. I applaud that. That's not I think at the core of who they are, but I applaud that the fact that they recognize that and said, no, our, wherever, you know, in Seattle, that ain't going to fly, but in Alabama, yeah, no problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Chick-fil-A was another example. So Chick-fil-A, Kathy Truitt, who's the CEO of that company, founder of the company, he believes in a policy that I don't, I believe that I don't adhere to. He doesn't believe that same sex should be married, should be allowed. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe in gays, lesbians hooking up and having a wonderful life. I'm sure he believes them as nice people, but he's totally against the gay marriage thing. And he states it and he's public about it, but I don't agree with it, but he makes a mean killer chicken sandwich. (laughs) So, and there are people who work in his company who don't believe in what he believes, but yet respect his right to believe it. Hmm. And to me, that's, that's a company that picks a side and he doesn't open on Sundays. Well, doesn't seem to kill his business. It actually says, no, that's the day when my people are going to have the day off and you should be home resting because he believes in the Lord and the Lord said the Sunday is the day of rest. Now, whether you believe in any of that or not, at least you got to respect that he picked a side. And that, that's living his values. Whether you believe in his values or not, I applaud people for at least believing their values as long as they don't infringe intentionally on others. Makes sense. Now, you've talked a lot about leadership, and I guess this, what you just talked about is part of, part of leadership, but are leaders mostly born or can they be made? Uh, that's, a good, that's a good question. I think, I think we're all born with some level of ability to do it. Mm-hmm. 
And then it manifests itself because of our socialization process that we have in our lives that allow us to do it, whether it's birth order, whether it's being put in charge of the school play or, or being encouraged or being shut down, being inspired and being disavowed. I think all those things have played. So I believe we're all born with it. I, I don't think nobody is, just like I say, I don't think anyone wakes up and hopes to be stupid every day. <laughs> I don't think, I think we all inherently are leaders at some level, sometime, someplace, some way, and somehow, but it's in different, in different aspects. When it comes to music, I couldn't tell you, couldn't tell you how, why, what. Uh, there are other people who are much better at that. And so when it comes to music, there are other people who are, who are leaders. When it comes to chaos and marketing and sometimes even adversity in terms of taking care of uh, people less fortunate than us, then, hey, put me at the front of the line. When it comes to serving your country and leading troops in the battle, then, my gosh, at least in the United States, I know in Canada, we got millions of great men and women who do that. So I think it's all there. I don't think anybody taught them to be, I think you're taught to be better leaders, but I think it's inherent in who you are. I think it separates us. Yeah. I think it separates us. Makes sense. So. You're talking about sort of dealing with sort of many different things and adversity and chaos. Now, was there a point in your life or career when you sort of kind of felt transformed, like where you got your your business skill to a next level or your life to a next level through an insight or or something? Is there sort of a point in time that you could pinpoint? Every day. <laughs> every day. I mean, I mean, if you don't think you're learning something every day, then you're not doing what you should be doing. Our jobs would be the chief tension officers in our life and chief tension officers in the business. Now, did I learn some things in different jobs? Yeah. I mean, when I was at Kodak, I mean, I I learned how to put zeros on the numbers and and do things at a much bigger scale. But prior to that, I sold companies for billions of dollars. Prior to that, I sold bought and sold lots of companies. And prior to that, I lost something. Each one of those you should learn from and every single day. And if you're not doing that every day, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> Don't you want to advance? Don't you want to be better every day? I want to be better. I want to be a better husband, better father, better grand grandfather. I want to be a better coworker. I want to be a better, I want to be a better everything. And, and so I should try to do that every day. Now, some days I kind of suck at it. I'm not as good, but I should try. And what should I learn from that? Well, I should try harder. So there's lots of, and then you should have great coaches in your life. Maybe they're, it's your wife or your husband or your son or your daughter, or it's a, a celebrity or well, I don't know, whoever it is that just, maybe it's just, I mean, I, I find them everywhere. I mean, guy sells me coffee and there's a gallon, there's a gallon in an airport in Las Vegas that works at the Miami subs there. I've seen her, I've watched her. I sit at a table one day and watched her for two hours. As she upsold and sold people on sandwiches and was the greatest person in the world at it. And I thought, I said, that's inspirational. That's, that's cool. Being able to draw from uh, just day-to-day experiences and pull that out. Now, you do a bunch of stuff. What would you say your top three habits or routines for success are? I mean, you've, you've seen a lot of success. You have some sort of formula. What would you say? Yeah, that's a good thing. I, I keep track of the big things and my big promises, so I know what those are. I look at my calendar and schedule every day 
and I'm willing to completely change it if necessary. If it doesn't fit what I need to do to get to the promises that I made. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm constantly, I constantly am open to finding a pony there somewhere. So I take every call. I take every email. I try not to, I try to respond to as many people as I possibly can. And those are usually me, not somebody else. So, so that keeps me very grounded. So that, those are my things. That's very nice. Now, is there anything I should have asked you, but haven't? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Call me. You just call me back. We'll do it again. (laughs) If you, if you missed it, we'll call me back and do it again. But no, I, I, I live in the moment, not about regrets about what I might have, but about what, what we're doing and that where we're at. And so no, this was cool. Well, Jeff, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's good to, good to be on the show. Yeah, perfect. So I want to thank everyone for listening to Specify. And I also want to thank the listeners specifically that are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. If you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, please forward it along and send me a note or drop me a comment if you have any feedback or suggestions. Talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.